Welcome to the Week Den Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies presented by the Grizz Den Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? It's going. So I'm, I'm tired of moral victories, but I think that's probably what tonight was. It is 10.30 p.m. Central Time. John and I both made the journey to FedEx Forum earlier tonight. We made the journey back home. We are now jumping on for our weekly podcast. The Grizzlies are 3-10. That's good for 14th in the West, 27th in the NBA. They are 27th on offense with a 109 rating, 17th on defense, 113.7 rating. That is good for 23rd in net rating, which is at a negative 4.7. I will note the difference in our record, 27th in terms of record and 23rd in terms of net rating. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later on. But first, John, who is your who's up? Uh, Who's up? And I think it's a pretty obvious candidate, but it'd be Santi Aldama is who's up for me. Um, Basically, honestly, I mean, it was garbage time, Santi, against the Lakers. But I mean, he... He was probably the only person who really came to play at all in LA. I mean, Roddy maybe a little bit, but um, and then obviously he's been he's been incredible the last two games. He's been everything you would want him to be. Um, you know, he we can get in we'll get into it later. I mean, he 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 still like giveth and taketh away a little bit, <laughs> Santi, but he's been great. Uh, I mean, today I think tonight's stat line was a 27, 11, and six. Uh, I mean, that is pretty incredible. Um, so so Santi. Um, for sure is my who's up 28 12 and 6 short oh, of look a at point that. and a rebound it's this is what happens when you look right after a game and then the nba comes around and gives you they they credit him with even more that's right uh my who's up is two-way contracts so the grizzlies have been uh you know, for all the faults in the middle of the roster, which we've covered, especially on the last podcast, if you missed it, go back and listen to that one. But the two-way contracts this year, specifically uh, Jacob Gilliard and Vince Williams Jr. And our third two-way is Gigi Jackson right now, who's absolutely crushing it in the G League. If you don't follow that very closely, he was actually active for tonight's game. I thought we might see a few minutes of Gigi Jackson, but we also saw Kenny Lofton Jr., play minutes tonight against the Celtics who was on a two-way last year and was converted to a a standard contract in the at the end of the regular season and uh, if you go back to the two-way hasn't been around for very long but we have certainly utilized that in a big way I was looking up right before the podcast started to see if John Conchar was ever on a two-way but uh, Kraft you reminded me that that was he was signed in an era where we had uh plenty of roster spots to spare and uh, he would have been on the two-way had we been let's say in the last couple of years but uh, he I would sort of put him in that group as well undrafted just we at the very bottom of the roster you're looking at guys that are contributing against teams like the Celtics who are right now the best team in the NBA and I just have to applaud our uh, scouting team for bringing in guys on two-way contracts that can actually contribute and aren't just swings. They're, they're true uh, value adds to this team right now. Yeah. I, I even feel like Tillman can get kind of, he's, he was not, but he was almost like an honorary two-way as well. Um, him and Conchar spent probably the bulk of their rookie year um, playing down in South Haven. So for the Memphis hustle. So we've done a very good job 
Um, honestly, Kenny Chandler's probably our only miss in the second round. Um, you know, it seems like in a while, like we do a very good job of, of getting these fringe guys for sure. My who's down is our in-season tournament hopes. We were officially the first team eliminated from uh, in-season tournament contention. And, uh, you know, we're going to have an extra regular season game. The The hope is that we have a an opponent who also, uh, or definitely will have an opponent who did not qualify for the in-season tournament as well. And and uh, let's hope that that just means they're, they're also a bottom half team, if you will. But, yep, sorry, we're not going to Vegas, so uh, we can cancel those plane tickets. <laughs> who's my, your who's down? My, yeah, my who's down is uh is Grizz Twitter. So uh we've you know there's a long history of of Grizz Facebook, which was terrible in all ways almost. Um and I think and, and like I said, I don't call it X, I still call it Twitter. Uh but Grizz Twitter um has just been really bad. Uh you know, I mean maybe people would say, well that's Twitter in general, but I just feel like even some people who I've liked in the past are just crazy opinions. Um, I just feel like when I get on there, so many, um, even of the, you know, typical Grizz Twitter follows the famous follows. I just feel like the combo of sort of negativity coupled with bad opinions, I can handle one or the other. Um, you know, and even the humor seems a little weird these days. So I'm going, I mean, this is, I've, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I wanted to go away from a player for once. Um, but that's Grizz Twitter. I've just been very disappointed in what people, it seems like everybody's complaining about the exact wrong things, um, like our defense and other things, which we might get into in news and notes, but, uh, but Grizz Twitter down for me. So I've been very disappointing. All right, Kraft. I've got, I've got a question for you and it has to do with someone you've already named and that's Santi Aldama. Should Santi be starting until John Morant comes back? Uh, I definitely think so, especially without smart. I mean, I think he, he's basically, you know, been the starting wing now, um, or well, basically starting in the second half of the last game in this game. And I think he's crushed that position. He shows he should be the three. And I think, uh, you know, him and Jaron lineups continue to do really well. And I think what's great is you can have Bismack in there or, uh, like tonight with a more perimeter oriented game, um, you can have Jaron and Santi be the front court. And I actually think this could be very exciting for future games. Um, when potentially maybe a jaw smart Bane lineup might be too small in certain in- instances or just like being able to have this other lineup that's really good. And so, yes, I, I think he should be. In fact, I'm go far as to say I'm probably going to be mad if he's not starting uh, until jaw gets back. I completely agree, and the critique you could have is that it's it, to to start Bismack Biombo, Jaron Jackson, and Santi Aldama. You know, you're definitely sacrificing some finesse for size, but I would push back on that. And if if you've been watching Santi the last three games, you can see his he's a Swiss Army knife, and he just so happens to be seven feet tall as well. And on a team where we have a, a we have way too many undersized centers and we also have a lot of small guards. Some size can just pure size can help us a ton. And when you pair that with he's been, his shooting splits have been fantastic as well. So he has these almost guard like skills. Why not? Why not put him at the three? Like he definitely can't be worse than the other options we have at the three on the roster right now. And sure, if 
when Ja comes back, when Marcus Smart comes back, which we're going to men- mention Marcus Smart in just a second, yes, the the logical, you know, put your best five on the floor would say have Ja at the one, Marcus at the three. Um, but I'm not sure that Santi couldn't play himself into a starting role, even with Ja back and uh, a healthy Smart. So I don't know. He's done a lot to impress me over the course of the last week. I thought one critique I've had of him and I haven't mentioned it on the pod yet was that when he came off the bench just this season thus far, when he came back from injury, he seemed to play just lethargic and didn't look like he was uh, doing much more than when he just had the ball. But there's something about the mentality of guys when they start versus come off the bench. Some, it doesn't matter. They're just going to play hard regardless, but there is something I think going on psychologically uh, where you know you're going to have your minutes that you're going to play if you're a starter and you know you're getting prioritized regardless of the matchup. And so I get it. That's why we, the matchup was sort of why we did it tonight and just being shorthanded. But I think there's a real argument for, for seeing Santi as a long-term starter. So that's, that's kind of the headline to me uh, of, of the last week. But we also have to get to the low light, which is Marcus Smart. After some weirdly positive reports, and when I say reports, I mean mainly Jenkins' interview, like a few hours before the injury report came out. I think he was interviewed at practice and was like basically saying that he didn't think that Smart's injury was going to be long-term or, or too much. He was, he was, things were looking up uh, for that, and yet... We saw the announcement three to five weeks for an ankle sprain. And you pair that with also just this weird Luke Kennard soreness injury. And the, the, it was, you know, that the injury report is just ridiculously long when the Grizzlies PR Twitter account can't fit it all in the character limit. And they have to take a screenshot of a word document to show you how many guys are out. But uh, what'd you think when you saw that smart news come through? I mean, it it hit hard. Uh, I was also sad for him because I know the game tonight against the Celtics was a game that he had circled and is going to miss that, you know, obviously miss that. And, um, you know, and I also think that what stinks is I think some of some some of the complications of this uh, season so far has been him trying to figure out a new system, fit in and um, figure out his spots, um, you know. And, and so on, honestly, that that puts him back on that a little bit more. Um, so, but hopefully, obviously still plenty of season left to get acclimated, but, um, but that, that was frustrating too. And just, yeah, I just, I don't know what's the, the kind of when it rains, it pours type, uh, mentality. I mean, you know, fortunately two of our three core players, um, have been healthy, uh, you know, with Bane and Jaron, but man, everybody else has been injured and it's, it's just starting to get very tiring, um, to just, you know, like, I mean, tonight it was just crazy going to the game and seeing warm ups and it's like, do we have enough people um because i thought we would have like 10 or 11 and then i even saw that derrick rose was and i was texting you is derrick rose a late scratch and so uh you know you look over the celtics and there's just so many people warming up uh and compared to us and so i'm just ready you know obviously using all three of our two-way players on the active roster and all these sorts of things so it's just it's just more you know and honestly i'm also nervous about the canard i just don't this knee soreness that's keeping him out that's keeping tillman out um, it just, it's a little worrying, um, you know, obviously with Adams and his knee, we just, I'm just nervous about knees. Um, and so hopefully, but it's, you know, all signs point to, to both Luke and Tillman being back maybe Wednesday, hopefully Friday. So. Yeah, it's just the weirdest 
injury list right now with the left eye abrasion for Jake Laravia, which yeah. I get it. Like he wasn't, it's not as if he was a key part of the rotation at all in the last two weeks, but on a night like tonight, when truly this should have been a schedule loss and I, I'd like to get to the game itself in just a second, but yeah, the injury report right now and, and Derek Rose too, he actually played pretty well against the Spurs, I thought. And to not have him because of the second night of a back-to-back, it's just, like you said, when it rains, it truly pours. And I, I am excited to announce, though, Kraft, I don't know if you, you've been doing the math here, but we are now 13 games in to the regular season, which means we are over the halfway point to when John Morant is scheduled to make his return, which is on December 19th. That's exactly one month from now. So he had a little Instagram story or a tweet, one or the other, the other day apparently and it was the a song called 31 days and so you know he's watching the clock as well and i know the grizzlies are too yeah and he's been a pretty active um a little you know obviously we get nervous when we hear john Rand's active on any kind of social media but he has been you know retweeting um a lot of things um, from the lakers game uh, from the spurs game i haven't looked tonight yet to see but you know you can tell um i'm sure he is very ready to be back and um and so can't wait So hopefully 12 more games. Let's get here. So tonight, just down the stretch, Santi had been so, so good. (laughs) He had been great. And we had a, just a, such a costly turnover that was just so Santi, uh, just trying to pass it behind his head to the corner. And then the next possession down the floor, you had Desmond Bain. This is the problem You, you were talking about you hear people complaining about the defense and when, when teams are shooting like they are, obviously that's where our heads go because that's where the damage seems to be done. But when you're looking at the offensive end, I think that that possession with Bain is a perfect encapsulation of late game half court offense still being an issue for the Grizzlies and personnel is a huge part of that, but also we just have to get better in that area. But you see Bain dribble out the shot clock and just with a few seconds left, he has Chris Stapps Porzingis switched on to him. And he, he was thinking about pulling from, you know, way downtown. And honestly, mm. that would have been better than what ended yes. up happening, which was him just fumbling the ball and then having to force up a, yeah, a three. Like a fadeaway with his foot on the two point line. But I mean, on the three point line as well. So it would have been a two, even if he made that kind of miracle fadeaway. Yeah. And then so. then further, you had Boston coming down and uh, missing a shot, then it looked like they were getting an offensive rebound, but we stole that away, pushed it up to John Conchar, who then uh, swung it to Santi for just uh, a, a wide open three. I mean, there were a couple guys around him. It, it wasn't the fast break. It wasn't like it was just in the flow of a half court offense, but he'd been making those tonight and he just missed it. And there was also craft. Did you, did you hear anything about, the end of the game with the timeout situation. Cause you and I both were there and it's one time when I would have liked to have heard the broadcast at the time, but what was, can you yeah. clear any of that? So I, yeah, no, I've, so I've heard the broadcast and I'll say it was so loud in there. Uh, uh, Pete and Brevin were basically like they were doing the play by play. So it was Aldama's shot goes up and then Zaire gets the rebound and they're just, you know, and they're doing the play-by-play, and it's like, oh, Chris Stapps blocks Zaire's shot, game's over. And then immediately, though, kind of in between that, Brevin's going, timeout, Jenkins had called timeout, you know, but, uh, you know, and so it's really hard with, I think Zaire probably got the rebound with about 
around two seconds, maybe 1.8, something like that. And, you know, of course, we would have loved Zaire to have called a timeout since he was facing the sideline. But uh, you do not expect Zaire to make that kind of (laughs) an IQ play. Um, And and Jenkins was, you know, Jenkins was all the way out to half court screaming timeout when Zaire possessed the ball. But, you know, the refs didn't hear it. And uh, and that's what happens. But that's, you know, and so that it is unfortunate. I think it's also going back. It's unfortunate because I think we let, I mean, basically, Jenkins had two timeouts in his pocket. And so you look back at that terrible Bane possession where he was shot a fadeaway um, long two pointer. And you think, you know, with about seven seconds left, nothing happening. That would have been probably a good time for Jenkins to have used his timeout there as well. So, I mean, that, that, that was a tough situation. But I'll tell you, I, you know, I would take that Santi shot, you know, every day. And he just missed. I mean, it, it was a good look for three to win the game. And it just missed it. Back rimmed it. Yeah, I guess your your point about it being a moral victory, yes, we're tired of those. I will say, though, there, to me, have only been a few this season. Other games, it's kind of like uh, the teams are either just playing better or just hitting crazy shots that they don't normally hit. And this did feel like the most true moral victory we've had against a team where they were pretty much fully healthy and are playing their rotation. I mean, if you're bringing Al Horford, Sam Hauser, and Peyton Pritchard, or you're three off the bench, and let's yeah. just call it a playoff rotation, and four of your starters have been all-stars before, and it's just a filthy team. And you saw yeah. they came out defensively. They just force you to they, – they will run you all the way down to the end of the shot clock. You have to work extra hard to get a yeah. good shot. And – offensively I felt like we did get some second chance opportunities more than I was expecting yeah. but that a, a lot of those did come with Crips at Kristaps Porzingis out of the game and we also had our bigs in foul trouble which hurt yeah I mean you have to you you played Lofton way too many minutes there was a lineup at the end I believe it was the second quarter or the third quarter where Santi was like the five and Roddy was the next tallest dude and yeah so I yeah yeah I I just to throw that in there because that was a big deal because it was it was um it was 40 38 in the second quarter and we had to because of foul trouble and, and other things had to play a lineup that was Bain Conchar Zaire Santi Lofton Ugh. was our five and they it went, went from 40 to 38 to 50 to 40 and this is one of those things where like that was the ball game honestly uh I mean that 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 like two and a half minute stretch with that five out there, um, you know, uh, was the ball game. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I think Conchars, who I think played well, um, uh, despite having to guard, you know, <laughs> Jason Tate, basically, you know, probably second place MVP right now. Uh, but like that Santi Lofton, Zaire, uh, three forward, you know, three forward lineup um, is just really rough. And, and I think Gilliard was in there for a little bit too. So, so, I mean, it was, but that, that little stretch where we just, we got down 10, um, fortunately for us, it would have been worse, but, uh, Jenkins made a great challenge call. Uh, but that stretch was really key, um, because basically that happened and then we fouled a three pointer, but then Jenkins challenged it. And then we actually not only won the challenge, but then put back in basically, uh, our starting five. And uh, a minus a starting five with instead of Bismack, we had Vince Williams. 
if you want to talk about Vince Williams. Um, but that five brought us back to where it was, you know, a three point game at halftime. But that that little stretch, I feel like three to four minutes in the second quarter really, really, um, really killed us because that was that that besides that we were with them. We were honestly ahead of them um, the rest of the game. But that little stretch really hurt. Yep, another second quarter. That's been the issue uh, the yeah. whole the whole season. Yeah, we won all. We tied the third and won the first and fourth. We lost, yep. but lost. Losing the second by four points got us. Yeah, um, Vince played great. I think when he hits open shots, it's just a bonus because he's just one of those guys that, uh, you know, I think he went lower in the draft because he's he's missing just a couple of inches, but the the he plays within himself. That's what what I always am confident of when Vince Williams is on the floor. He's going to go to the right spot. He's going to do the right things. He had a big block. I believe it was on Derek White. Come down in transition, just absolutely swallowed it. And then he had, uh, yeah, like I said, a couple of those big threes, which it was near the end of the shot clock. We really needed it. And he's a guy that I, uh, on our lost podcast early in the season when we had to do a new prediction, like new bold predictions. My original bold prediction, which we can never prove it, of course. Maybe we could. I could go find the file. I'll I'll vouch for you. It was the my bold prediction was that Vince Williams would be on the roster next season, and because I do think this is going to be a high turnover off season coming up. But he just felt like a guy that they're confident in. Like I think it's it's more who do you trust at this point? And Vince Williams not having barely any minutes compared to guys like. Uh, Roddy and, and Zaire at this point, but he was being trusted uh, with, with a non. It, it was it was not just you know spot minutes here or there. He played 16, and when you're shorthanded, you need guys like that. And it goes back to my point about the two way, where you just I think they've just really hit on something there. Is he a long term Grizzly? Who knows? That was just a funny, just like no. old prediction that I had. But it, it speaks to a larger point, which is I he fills a position that we need, and he's yet another bite at the apple on that wing wing position and we'll see what we'll see what happens with him. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting. I know, and I know some people are upset at least around me in the crowd. Uh, but also I think on Twitter from a quick glance of, of the fact that Zaire was put back in he was taken out and I, you know, and, and I get, you know, it's one of those things, one, just as an organization, I think until Zaire is gone, our organization is going to try to put Zaire in those kind of situations. But then secondly, I can totally see because Bain looked totally exhausted. He was the only ball handler for a lot of that game, honestly, which is one of the reasons why I also think Conchar was in at the end. But I could tell they just Zaire can handle the ball a little bit better right now than Vince Williams. Uh, but besides that, I mean, I think there's arguments to be made. <laughs> Because I know for for me, I know Vince Williams is going to play great defense, and so far he has shown that he will knock down that open three. Um, he's not going to play make. He's not going to be able to dribble the ball well. But uh, but but I think that's why you know Zaire was there at the end. And honestly, Zaire made a couple good plays there at the end with a put back and and some other things. But um, but right now, you know, I mean, obviously when Vince was in, uh, we had energy. Uh, we were really shutting the Celtics down, honestly. Like I feel like when he was in, the Celtics did not score. Plus eight off the bench. He was the highest plus minus there, just to yeah. note it. Um, yeah. Let's move to the Spurs game. I felt like this was a um, one of those where they're the other team in the league who's been just playing so poorly. 
they don't defend very well despite having Victor Wimanyama, who who truly is a spectacle. Like if you do get a chance um, to watch any Spurs games, you should just to see him play. But there's nothing around him right now, and yet the Grizzlies went down by 19 in the first half, and it was just. I don't know. There it was it was dark. Speaking of Grizz Twitter, like that was that was, <laughs> halftime was very, very dark. And then it was dark. Um you know, there there were reports of a lot of a lot of passion at halftime. Uh not only Jenkins, but players stepping up, speaking, just saying, you know, we can't this is this can't happen. It can't be how we play. And they came out, responded, came all the way back, and as much grief as I like to give him, Zyre Williams did play well. Uh, probably had one of his better games as a Grizzly with 17 points and hit some timely shots, did some other stuff as well. Um, I do always preach patience on those who want to react to like high moments of Zaire because then you come out the next game and you see something like the Celtics game, but we can still recognize it for what it was. Like he was instrumental in that comeback. And then once you get San Antonio on their heels, I mean, they're, they're just not a good team right now and yeah. they, they're they're looking at the long term and they're they aren't in a hurry it's it's a game that a team like the grizzlies should win even without with only like 11 players i think were active last night yeah. and uh knowing that it was a back-to-back as well and this was the winnable game of the two there was a sense of urgency and i'm it was a yeah. huge huge response by them in the second half yeah, no, huge win, and and that was you know one of my complaints is that everybody's upset because the Spurs you know about our defense, and I'm you know for me it's like well the Spurs are actually decent defense uh, you know offensively, it's the fact that we only can score we only scored fifty one points in the first half that's ridiculous because this team does not defend. I mean they're giving up one thirty one forty. Um, that was my frustration. My hope, you know, of course I've been hoping this all year <laughs> was that they're good first half shooting numbers. I was like you know we're guarding better. I don't think those will continue. So that was my hope. Um, you know, obviously I've hoped that earlier in the year too. Uh, but fortunately that did come down and I think holding them to 40 uh, was great. I mean, holding them to 40 is really good. And I think it's really exciting uh, seeing how we played the Celtics tonight. So this, the Spurs are a good offense that we held down, but then the Celtics are like a top or an elite offense that we held to 102 points. So that's kind of that's six straight quarters where I think we've played what we expect of Grizzlies defense and that top five, top 10 type defense. And so I think that's been, that's very exciting for me to see. It feels like maybe we're finally getting it and have that urgency. And then kind of what you were saying about Zaire. I think one thing that I'm just going to be looking at the rest of the season and going to be interested to see is when we play teams that are younger or more finesse oriented, maybe high paced, if Zaire plays a lot better than when we play sort of very physical half court, like to me playing a team like the Celtics, playing a team like the Miami heat, Zaire just like can't even, it's like he doesn't even belong in the building. I mean, not to be so mean to Zaire, but it just, he just is lost uh, in games like that compared to, I feel like the up and down sort of finesse, a lot of youth type teams. And so the hope is when we play some more of those teams, which I don't think we've gotten to play a lot of those teams yet this year, um, when we play a lot more of those teams, uh, hopefully that those would be the good Zaire games. And frankly, though, the problem is when you look ahead, which we are a team that right now should look ahead to the playoffs, and I believe that's how our front office is thinking about all of this. You're not like that dies in the playoffs. You do maybe right. in the first couple of rounds, if you're the better team, you can dictate how the game is played in terms of the flow, in terms of the pace. But ultimately, when the game comes down to the fourth quarters, it's going to be slower. It's going to be physical. 
and everybody's going to be putting things on the line and it's just kind of like where does Zaire fit in that? So I think that's a really good, really good call out and something definitely to watch as we move forward. I don't know how much there is to say about the Lakers game, uh, but did you have any more notes about this past week? Yeah, I mean, one note is just uh, so one note kind of combined the 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 Lakers game. The one thing that was hard in the Lakers game was Jaron, uh, who had not played great in the Clippers game before that. I think just really sort of got punked. Like AD kind of came and played hard, and it feels like right now. Um, sort of the Lakers in a sense, both LeBron and AD kind of have Jaron's number, at least know how to get under his skin a little bit. And so it was really, really good to see for me in the Spurs game that Jaron came out in the second half and was basically like, I'm going to take this game over. I'm going to drive the basket over and over and over and over again, get on the foul line. That's what we want to see him more of. Honestly, I like that he tried to do it tonight. You're just playing the, like, you know, the number one defense. And when we talk about this, I mean, we're talking elite, elite. The Celtics are an elite defense. Um, and that's something not that's why when we say moral victories. And so Jaron was also, I think, in a good good in a good way aggressive tonight. I don't think it was as rewarded. I think the Celtics just get a lot better calls than the Spurs do. Uh, but I like the aggression. I think honestly, until Jaw gets back, we need that Jaron. We need him every game to really just punish any, you know, bad matchup and just to go hard to the basket, especially in these second quarters. I think it feels like he's doing it better in the second halves. He needs to do it in the second quarter. Um, but yeah, and so that's the big thing for me. I, I love the response from Jaron after a tough Lakers game. But yeah, I mean, honestly, I think for me, the biggest takeaway is coming out of, we were looking, it's like, okay, we've been playing better with uh, with Bismack Biombo. Um, even even with all this, the other crazy injuries, uh, you know, we've kind of been playing a little bit better and and then the Lakers game comes and I think you feel like, oh, that feels more like the 0 and 5 team than the three and two team. And and I think uh, and so I, I feel better about looking at the Lakers as the worst three point shooting team in the in the NBA and them going like 25 for 30, 24 for 35, or whatever crazy thing they did. Um, you know, obviously, again, I think people want to take me out when I say shot variance games are tired of it. Uh, but I feel like we can look at the past three games of this week and say that we are more the team that beat the Spurs and the team that played with the Celtics. And I think that Lakers game was a little bit of PTSD from last year and just a crazy shot. I mean, just them hitting a bunch of guys hitting shots that don't normally get hit. And honestly, Jaron and Bain both not playing that great. I just think that's a combo. I mean, at L.A., Lakers, for, you know, is a bad game. And then also just one other, just empty the notebook. Uh, Dan Wojcicki came on a couple uh, local shows here, The one of the Lakers beat reporters, and he basically talked about how the Lakers are really taking this in-season tournament seriously. And that AD, funny enough, wants talks about all the time that he wants this $500,000, that he really wants this prize. And LeBron is hinted at legacy stuff like he want like this is would be a thing he would have to say, I won the first in-season tournament. Um, I'm sure Adam Silver is loving that. He really wa- he really wants LeBron to keep saying that. Uh, but all that said is, I mean, as someone who hate watches the Lakers all the time, they're usually the last game on at night when you're going to bed. Uh, easy thing to pull up on the iPad or something that uh, that it's just very obvious they took the in-season tournament games way more seriously. And then you combine that with what happened in the playoffs last year. And I just think we kind of run it ran into a buzzsaw a little bit. And so, like, I would be if we if we if the last two games have gone differently, I might be coming in here in despair uh, but I really think the Lakers game now can be a game uh, that obviously keep in the back of our minds if we end up like later on playing playoffs, think about them a matchup. But like 
but I think you can throw that game out as not resembling as much the six or seven games that came around it. And just to come to your defense a little bit about the shot variance, it's it's easy to to really it's easy to say quickly as an explainer about a game, not because it absolves all of the mistakes that the team might be making. It doesn't necessarily mean that the Grizzlies played amazing. No. There it's no not all shot variance games are created equal. But what it means really when it comes down to it is that like no matter how well you play, if they're shooting if the other team is shooting that well, you really don't have very much of a chance to win. And that's that's what the point of the shot variance description of a game. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I still think, I mean, Jaron played bad and Jaron got embarrassed by Anthony right. Davis. I mean, he, I mean, so that still happened and that is something that we need to keep on the burner as well from that game. But at the end of the day, I just think the worst thing was that game happened and then we had three days of no game. And so it was just three days oh, to just stew on a team that most Grizzlies fans hate and they killed us and they kind of embarrassed us again after the ta- bad taste in our mouths from last May. And so, you know, I still think just all those things combined, uh, makes it hard, but uh, but I think we, after the last two games, I think that is the moral victory, is that like the Lakers game is not as much what we look like as I think these other games around it. Yeah, and then they come out the next night against the Kings and just get absolutely smoked. So it's just Yeah, LeBron, uh, AD had like, I think, nine and seven. Yeah, AD, <laughs> I, I will Kings. say, for, Jaron is not always the most enjoyable player to cheer for because of his seeming inconsistency especially on the offensive end granted he does so many things we can't we can't see and it's just unquantifiable and he is that good and man I am so glad we I do not have to cheer for Anthony Davis on a night-to-night basis because it would drive me insane if you see the potential when he plays like he does against the Grizzlies and has however many blocks and is just like playing like the defensive player of the year and then the next night can't even can't even get to 10 i'm like what what are we doing here and that and honestly i mean that was and that was the playoff series too and the playoff series he was unbelievable in game one game three and game six and like uh you know i mean like he was just unbelievable in those three games and he was just very average the other three you know unfortunately we lost one of the three games that he was average um on that lebron layup but yeah I mean, that's I mean, it just mad. It is maddening because you see how amazing he is. All right. The need to know for this week. The next game the Grizzlies play is in Houston. First time we're going to be facing Dylan Brooks. An old friend. In his in his arena this time, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Right now, the Rockets are playing really well. They're 15th on offense, third in defense. And um, it, there's been a lot of really funny Dylan Brooks content out there. If you want to go find it, has he had his, uh, has he had some signature offensive games? Yes. Is that the norm for Dylan Brooks? No. Will, do I believe that it, that will regress to the mean? Yes. I do though think that a reorientation of environment for Dylan was probably the best thing that could have happened to him, uh, combined with the fact that he did get paid. So he doesn't have this like edge of being underpaid instead I feel like he's more confident because of uh, what he got in terms of a contract and then you combine that with Ime Udoka the coach and uh, bringing in also some more reliable uh, point guard play in Fred Van Vliet meanwhile my you know second favorite player in the world Alperin Shingun is truly playing well I can acknowledge it uh, he but did grow a couple inches over the summer that's helped him for that sure. too he still flops just 
terribly, and I can't believe I, – I, I'll have to look up to see if he's gotten any flop technicals thus far this season. All that to say, we're catching Houston at a, at a hot streak for them. And it's going to be a tough game. There's there's more to it than just the two teams on the floor with the whole Dylan element. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about this Rockets game coming? Yeah, up? It's, yeah. I mean, no, they've been they've been good. I think they've you know it's funny because everybody made fun of them in bringing in their free agents, but it's it's once again shown um, you make a couple good free agent um, you know veteran picks, kind of give a professionalism to a young team, and they can really get some you know uh, get a boost from that. I mean, I I still. Uh, I actually did pick them to be 10th in the West. So there's a part of me that is enjoying the good start as someone who picked them to make the plan. But I still definitely think that they're going to come down to earth a little bit. Their net rating shows that they are winning more games uh, than expected. As much as I say we're winning less than expected, they're the opposite of us. So it's, it's kind of like they've been getting all the breaks compared to us. I will say we're catching them. So the Dylan thing's probably going to just make everything different. But, uh, you know, as much as like, the Celtics game tonight was a schedule loss in our minds because it was back to back. So this will be the third game in four nights for the Rockets uh, that they they're playing tonight against the Lakers. They're playing tomorrow against the Warriors, and then they're playing us on Wednesday, where we is we have Monday and Tuesday off. So in that sense, you know, as far as the regular season, we do have that edge, and that we will be more rested. They will be probably riding on fumes. Dylan will be like going crazy, but I can guarantee you that the rest of his Houston team. Uh, cares more about the Lakers game tonight and the Warriors game tomorrow than they will the Grizzlies game on Wednesday. And so so I think in those senses, I think if we play the way we've played in the last six quarters, we should beat the Rockets Wednesday. Um, but we got it, you know, but honestly, we have to keep bringing. I mean, we, we have to almost play uh, high level intensity defense, I think, on a night to night basis since the jaw gets back. And so if we bring the same mentality we brought tonight, I think we'll beat the Houston. I think we will. <laughs> It's going to be a great game, and I'm excited yeah. for it. Suns, uh, we play on Friday, 4 p.m. So this is a fun kind of the day after Thanksgiving. Most people are off work. It's the final in-season tournament game. Last last chance to see that beautiful, beautiful gray court. Suns <laughs> uh, Suns right now are eighth in offense, 18th in defense. That's you know less than I thought they would be uh, on offense thus far. Granted, they are their big three have a I think only played maybe one or two games altogether. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit better than I thought they would be on defense, frankly. That's well. And that's- I mean, honestly, if you've seen their, they've had a very favorable schedule on it. I mean, again, I'm going to probably be the guy who I hated on the sun, so I'm going to be negative. But they have had, I think, like, like I expect that that I'll be shocked if they stay 18th. Honestly, uh, you know, when we look in two or three weeks. Yeah, Kevin Durant. I will say he's been playing unbelievable basketball. It's still yeah. early in the season. Uh, he tends to have some games that he'll sit out over, over the course of the season. But if he's healthy, he's a must-see in person. Just the shot-making is unbelievable. Uh, I think that this team, I'm so down on them as well overall. I think it's it's definitely a winnable game. Uh, and the in-season tournament element of it all though, is what gives me a little bit of pause here because yeah. I don't know how, how seriously they're going to be taking it uh, because they're they're in a position right now to potentially qualify. And so if if they want to play hard and, and come out and try and run us off the floor, like I think they could do it. It's a weird start time, day after Thanksgiving. Uh, who, I don't, they, it's not as if they're on a back-to-back or anything like that. So anyway, all that to say, 
the Suns game is going to be really fun, I think, from a spectator standpoint because you get to see one of the best players, best scorers of all time, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, and also, you have that in-season tournament element as well. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm sad. I'll be missing it um, because I'll I'll be visiting some family for Thanksgiving, but I'll definitely be watching it. And yeah, I think you know it is the in season tournaments made it a little different. Um, I, I still, you know, I, I guess honestly, uh, the, with that, they're another opponent similar to the Rockets. I think they're around there too. I mean, I've always thought they're around a playing team, and a lot of that is because I do think that. Durant with what he's having to do right now he just he will be in he will have to take some time off or he will get injured and Knicks at least um but he's it but he's healthy right now it looks like Booker's healthy and if the two of them play they're going to be a tough team um part of me actually might want Beal to play because <laughs> he's so bad defensively it's almost kind of like a Clay Thompson the same way like you like you know they're offensively you know going to hit shots but there's just they don't offer much on the defensive end uh, but again, you know, I think there's another team where we come out, honestly, we come out if the crowd's like it was tonight and people get excited and people are ready. I think it's a, it's a very beatable Suns team. They are not good defensively. And I think uh, we've shown that we defend jump shooting teams very well, uh, especially mid range jump shooting teams. That seems to be something we do very well. And so in that sense, I'm hoping um, I would hope for a win. And hopefully by on Friday, we have a couple more, you know, we have a Luke Kennard. And and a Tillman and some other you know guys back because I think Luke would have a good game because they don't guard very well. Luke would get a lot of good wide open threes and transition and things. So yeah, so that's so so I think these are two very potential wins. Uh, I know we're about to get the Sunday game. I might not say that as much, but the but those those two games I think are both potential wins. But again, with this team, the, no, there is no give me wins. Um, but I think both of them are very are definitely games we could win. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Timberwolves, Sunday, 5 p.m., 13th in offense, second in defense. This team is playing amazing right now. They really are. They're playing like one of the best teams in the league. And the only thing I'd say is maybe in our favor is that uh, they're playing the Sixers, then the Kings in the two games before, and then they play the Thunder right after in the Kings and Thunder games. So that, you know, we're the middle of the sandwich there are both in-season tournament games for them. And so is it a situation where, and they're, they're, by the way, those are both at home as well. So they're taking a one game trip and playing a little bit earlier of a game on a Sunday than usual. And so can you catch them in just one of those moments where they're, they're in the midst of travel and, and aren't thinking about the Grizzlies as a super serious opponent. You also, you do have the playoff baggage uh, along with that. And I think that that just provides a little extra motivation for guys, but at the same time, you don't you're not playing a, a team with Jaw. You're not playing a team with with the best player. And so, uh, but this team is playing really, really well. I definitely feel the least confident of the of these three games uh, in this Timberwolves game. So, like, if you're gonna make me choose, like you're saying, if if we're gonna have one that we are gonna say is the most likely loss, I would. I would definitely say this Minnesota game just based on how they're playing and, and they're a bad matchup. It's similar to the Anthony Davis thing, like Rudy Gobert uh, for all that. I like to particularly make fun of him for his contract and the trade that they made for him. Uh, he's still a pretty good player and can do the things that bother teams that uh, tend to try and score in the paint and aren't particularly great at shooting from three. They just have that good formula and then, you combine that with Anthony Edwards, who's truly playing at an all-star level right now. The Timberwolves are a tough, tough out right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I really fully healthy. I think I would really like our matchup with this team, but with, uh, 
you know, without, 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 you know, a lot of our team, but especially without jaw, I think this is, this is a tough matchup for us, a tough team for us. Um, but we'll see, you know, and who knows, who knows what their injury situation. Again, this is another situation where like tonight we played the Celtics. They have an unbelievable top seven, eight, uh, similar with the T-Wolves. They have an unbelievable top seven, eight, um, and just have, you know, have had no injuries so far. So we'll see. Um, where they are in a week and, and who they're playing is like you said around them is some some games that probably matter more to them but I don't know at the same time I think they really enjoy beating us and I, I think uh, you know you'll get we'll get probably Kyle going three for three from three and and some other things so you know that's the game I'm going to next so <laughs> I keep choosing all these uh, these teams where it's the harder wins but hopefully you know hopefully we're coming off a two-game winning streak and we have a little bit of confidence maybe a little bit more swagger to us getting healthier um, but, but I think that'll be a tough game, but you know, the, the hope would be for sure. It's similar last week. We need to go one and two. We'd love to go two and one, That that's kind of the way that's kind of the way I look at it. Yep. Um, all right. Lastly, let's wrap up with MVP of the week. Uh, I'm going with Santi Aldama. He came off the bench in two games and started one yet averaged 23 points across these three games in the past week and he did so much more than that but I think that alone shows you just the the rate at which he's hitting shots the confidence at which he's playing and uh, he was just he was the key I think I mean you, you at this point we're pricing in Desmond Bain scoring between 25 and 30 which is just unbelievable like he's I'm pretty sure he's either 11th or 12th right now in scoring overall in the league. And it's just, I mean, what he's doing is unbelievable. It's, it's, it's similar to last season when we were saying, you know, you could give it to jaw every week if you wanted to, in terms of the MVP, but who are the guys that really stood out in particular over the course of a week? And, and this time it's, it's Santi and you, uh, I want to remember this, this stretch of the season. And so want to give him this, uh, this high honor of the week in MVP of the week. Uh, so, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think the behind the back pass and the missed three at the end are like sitting there with me in the sense that um, that he would have been a, an easy MVP for me if that. So, so I'll, just for the sake, I'll counter. I think I think I'm glad that you're noting it, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to Bain. I still think Bain overall, uh, especially when you throw in defense too, has been uh, a bigger deal for us. And uh, tonight. But I don't know. I mean, but I'm I'm back and forth on that. I was thinking about that too. But uh, but since you named you named Santi, I'll go ahead and do the just the prerequisite Bane MVP um, vote as well. I'm hoping we need. To, I want to get Jaron in there soon. So I'm hoping Jaron can have a good week. This would be a great week for him to be to be awesome um, with some interesting you know big guy matchups. But but that's what I would say. So yep, I'm with I'll you go there. With I've been I've been trying to get Jaron as. Uh, as much as possible, but he's, he's finished second a few times. I'll say that yeah. on the ballot. And so. he, he is, I mean, and I think you're right about Jaron. I mean, he, he does so much defensively that we don't know. And honestly, you know, looking at part of our issue, even with defense is just teams just don't go to the, go, go to the rim much against us anymore. I mean, you could see with the Celtics is like whenever Jaron went out of the game, they immediately started attacking the rim, but they didn't even think about it when Jaron was in the game, unless, unless they were able to switch him way off. Um, and so I think we just forget, like he's just, he completely changes how teams come at us offensively uh, because of how good defensively he is. But, but it's just, you know, but he has to do a little bit more. If he'd had a game tonight, like he did against the Spurs, I think I would have given him the MVP, but it's hard when you get punked uh, in the first of three games too. So. 
Got a big week coming up. A couple days off. Need them after this back-to-back. Uh, got a big game coming up on Wednesday against the Rockets. Their old friend, Dilly Dilly. Uh, tune back in. We're going to continue this the whole season. Just no, no matter what the record is, uh, there's plenty to talk about. So thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for subscribing. Uh, leave a review if you can. Give us those five stars. It really does help us. Uh, so thanks for joining us for Craft. I'm Will. We will talk to you next week then.